If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, let's look at verses 5 through 11 of chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. As we begin our lessons each time, I want to get people to think about the idea that is to be found in this portion of God's Word. And we're going to think about this morning the removing of dirty clothes. And so if you will, I'd like to ask you, have you ever been embarrassed by old smelly clothes and couldn't wait till you got them off? Some of you, I'm sure, probably took yesterday in the beautiful weather to try to do some yard work. Some of you may have done what I did to spread some mulch to uh, work in the yard. And what happens shortly afterwards is you begin to sweat, you begin to smell, your clothes are dirty, and then it may come time for you to want to go to uh, a restaurant to eat or maybe somewhere in... Your family reminds you your clothes are dirty. They smell bad and you need to change your clothes. You need to take a bath. You need to get clean. I want you to imagine you go to the restaurant and you look back and the person back there who's preparing your food has been out working in his yard and his clothes are dirty and you look at him and he's preparing your food and you say, no, I don't want that to happen. Or maybe you go to the doctor and you go to the hospital and you're going in for surgery and the doctor comes in and introduces himself to you and his clothes are dirty and they're smelly. Do you want that doctor operating on you? No, you don't. When you start thinking about a person who's a child of God, who's a Christian... Paul said in verses 1 through 4, If then you were risen with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above and not on the things on the earth. What we want to do is realize there's a difference. Now I want you to think with me just a little bit further. Have you ever had someone to point out a stain on your clothing of which you were unaware? Maybe you've been to the restaurant and you've eaten. And you walk out and most likely it's going to be your spouse is going to say to you, do you see that spot on your shirt? You drop some ketchup on you or you drop something else on you. The truth is, is that sometimes we have stains in our lives that someone needs to point out to us and say, you've got to get rid of that. And behavior is like clothes. And what Paul will do in this section is to talk about taking off the dirty clothes and preparing yourself to be bright and clean. And so his main message is we have to make a clear break with our sinful past. Now Paul will actually use two figures of speech. We're going to notice the first one is found in verses 5 through 7, and he's going to talk about death to sin. In fact, if you're reading the original King James, looking at one of the few Bibles, you'll actually see the word mortify that is there in there. And that's talking about putting something to death. Even our modern word mortician is from this word to mortify. 
And then in verses 8 through 11, he'll talk about disrobing sin in our lives. Let's look at verses 5 through 7 as Paul speaks. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Now, let's step back for just a second and see what he says. Put to death your members which are upon this earth. There is a clear distinction in Paul's mind of what happens here. He said, you once walked in them, you don't walk in them anymore. There was a point, a demarcation in your life when you became a child of God that you changed your clothes or were supposed to have. If you go back to chapter 2 and verse 12, he tells us about baptism in the letter to the Romans, Paul's a little more direct and says in Romans 6 verses 4 through 6, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now listen carefully to verse 5. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we also and shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old man was crucified with him. Now I know what it means to be united in the likeness of his death. There is a point in our lives when you and I become Christians that we die to sin. Just like Jesus was put on that cross and was crucified and killed, you and I actively kill the sin that is in our lives. Obviously, what do you do to the one who has died? You bury them. But then the resurrection of Jesus. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29 we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. And then the passage Brother Tommy read for us just a few moments ago from Galatians 5.24. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Yes, when you became a Christian... You died to your sins. You became a child of God by being baptized for the remission of those sins. Do you see, that's where repentance comes in. Repentance is actually a change of our mind towards sin. And it is when you and I decide in our minds, we don't feel about sin the way we used to. Now we want it dead in our lives. We want to get rid of it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's where repentance comes in. You change your life by killing off that old man. Here's the problem, however. Too many of us are trying to keep that old man on life support. We see that old man and there's, there's some desire in us that wants to keep that old man going. And so we try to keep it alive and that will not work. You have to put it to death. Romans 8.3 or 8.13 For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now, what he does, he begins by focusing on some specific areas that are a part of this earthly man, these earthly members. You'll remember when James wrote his letter in James chapter 3, verse 13 through 16. Who's wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish or demonic. This kind of thinking is the way worldly, earthly people. He said, you've got to put those things to death. Philippians 3, 18 and 19 particularly, he talks about people who are enemies of the cross of Christ and whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Do you get the point that Paul's trying to make? This worldly, earthly type of thinking has to stop. So then he will enumerate some of these. This is not an exhaustive list, but this is reality, folks. This was the world in which Paul lived in the first century. It's the world in which you live in the 21st century. Fornication. Fornication is any sex outside of marriage. It can be people who are involved in an adulterous relationship. One of them is married and the other may or may not be married. It may be a homosexual relationship. It may be premarital sexual behavior. Anything other than God's design for marriage. You say, how do you know that? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 says, Marriage is honorable among all and the bed is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Here's the reality, folks. Once you become a Christian, you don't participate in fornication. That old man should have been put to death. In 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 2, Paul would write, Nevertheless, because of fornication, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. You see, that was God's design. Marriage. The second thing he mentions is uncleanness. 
Uncleanness is literally something that's dirty, something that's filthy. In this case, it has to do with the mind and the way a person thinks. In Romans 1 and verse 24, Therefore God gave them up unto uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. You see the lust that's involved because of the, the filthiness of the mind? Chapter 6, verse 19, I speak in terms of human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and now lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Some people live the unclean life. And then he uses the word passion. Well, passion has been perverted today to mean a person can just have this love for someone else. But do you know when Paul wrote the Thessalonians, he said to them in chapter 4, verse 3, For this is the will of God for your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that each one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. These are people who are out here and they just have a passion that is driven by their animalistic desires. In Romans 1 verse 26, God gave them up into vile passions for even the women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. And then he goes on to say, men with men, working what is unseemly. You see this burning desire. And then he specifically says evil desire or evil concupiscence if you're reading the King James. It's talking about a desire for something that you have no right for. There's desire that is good, but then there's some desire that is bad. The word evil is always an adjective that leaves the full understanding. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, he said not to lust after the evil things that they lusted after. Or 1 Corinthians 15, 33, evil company corrupts good morals. Nothing wrong with having company, you just don't want the evil company. And then finally, he says covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is nothing short of greed. It's the desire to have more and to have it for yourselves. Jesus was asked by a young man to have his brother to divide the inheritance with him. There's nothing wrong with a person receiving an inheritance. The problem was the man's heart. All he wanted was more things. And so Jesus would say, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. You don't measure your life by how much you have. And some people want more, 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 more. And he says, that's not what life is all about. Put to death your members which are upon the earth.
Now if you'll go with me to verses 8 through 11. He's going to change the figure from the killing of the old man and all of his sinful doings now to that of disrobing, taking off the bad clothing. Now let's read verses 8 through 11. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, nor slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Now the word put off is not the way we would normally express it in our language today. We would say, you need to take off those dirty clothes. But there's a little bit more to it than that. Sometimes we take off something only to turn around and put it back on again. I don't know about some of you, but I've laid something aside and comes time, okay, I'm going to put it back on again. No, you're not. That smells bad. It looks bad. It's, it's stained. It's dirty. This is something you not only take off, but you also put away. You get rid of it. You don't take it back again. You see in Acts 7 verse 58, there's a picture given there that when Stephen is being stoned, it says that the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of the young man named Saul. They intended to put those clothes back on. Chapter 12, verse 1 of Hebrews says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. That's something you put away, you don't take it back again. And again, he starts another series of things to be removed. The first one is anger. There's two different words that's used for anger, and we're going to notice they're back-to-back here, anger and wrath, and there's a distinction between them. Anger that is used here is that deep-seated hostility, the resentment. It's a kind of almost a hatred of a person that says, I'm mad at you, I was mad yesterday, and I'm even going to be mad again tomorrow. Sometimes it's translated wrath. Found in James chapter 1, verses 19. He said, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's that word there. For the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. My anger does not make me more righteous. In fact, God said, you've got to find a way to get rid of that. Just like you take off clothes, like if I were to take my tie off, 
Okay, that's one thing. You've got to take it and put it away from you. But then he says wrath. The distinction here is this is an outburst. It's a when somebody blows up. Best way I can illustrate this is the way I've seen it several times. You're sitting at the T-ball field and everybody's laughing and they're talking. And then your little boy gets up to bat at the T-ball field and he hits the ball and the little boy picks it up and throws it to first base and your little boy comes running across the base and the umpire that's standing there says, Out! Now you have gone from laughing and talking. What do you mean? He was safe. I saw it from here. And now you're angry. And you're tempering. You want to go out there and you want to tell him off. And you want to straighten him out. Well, now there's another word that's going to go with this. And you find it in 2 Corinthians 12, 20. Paul says they're outbursts of wrath. But the next word's malice. And that's the desire to injure, to hurt somebody. You see, whether it's that deep-seated anger that you talk about, or whether it's just this flash of outburst of wrath, now you want to hurt that person. That's the word malice. You see how these go together? Ephesians 4 verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. All these words all go together. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Don't have this desire to injure. Along with anger and wrath and malice, generally comes the tongue. He uses the word blasphemy. Literally, the idea is to revile someone, to say something bad about them. You know, when you think of the angelic host working directly under the hand of the Almighty, and then you think about one of those angels, particularly Michael, The archangel, Jude tells us in verse 9, yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Michael did not revile against the devil, even though the devil is as bad as he is. Michael didn't lose his cool, didn't lose his temper. He didn't revile. He simply says, the Lord rebuke you. Added to that is filthy language out of our mouths. A few years ago, I was flying on a flight there was a couple of attractive ladies came and sat down in a couple of seats in front of Coretta and myself. And then out of the mouths of those 
very beautiful women were some of the ugliest words you can imagine. Just about every curse word that's in the curse word dictionary, they said. And you're like, those people there, they just use the filthiest, vilest language. You know why that come out of their mouth? Because that's what was in their heart. That's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now I understand why he says, take off all these things. You see, when I become a Christian, I don't talk like that anymore. Adds another to it. Lying. Telling a lie. John 8, verse 44, You are of your father the devil. You, The desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. When you lie, you're acting like the devil. You're not acting like God. What's Paul trying to say to the church at Colossae? You kill that old man. You're supposed to have put him in that grave. He said, because of those things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. You once lived like that. Don't live like that anymore. Take off that old man. You've got a new man to put on. It's past time to kill off the sinful behavior and take off the sinful ways. In fact, this morning, it's very likely we have some here who've not yet become Christians. You've not yet obeyed the gospel. Let me make it plain and clear. If you're ready now to make a change with your past, to become a child of God, you can leave that old lifestyle behind and all the ugliness, dirtiness, vileness that goes with it. We dare not try to put patches on dirty clothes. Here's our problem sometimes. We as Christians think that we can continue to live the old life and be the children of God. We can't do that. And there's a very good likelihood that in some of our lives, some of the things that we have read from Paul are still living in us. You got what I mean about living in us? No, they're supposed to be dead. Some of the old dirty clothes, are we're putting them back on. No, we shouldn't. You can be cleansed from your sins. You can become a child of God this morning. We're going to sing the song, Nothing But the Blood. That's what will wash away your sins. You can come in contact with it by being baptized for the remission of your sins. If you're a child of God and you're walking in the ways of the world, you can come back home and ask for God's forgiveness. Would you come while together we stand and sing?